Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates, ready to go. OutKick 360 underway from Radio Row at Super Bowl 56. Live in Los Angeles with Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Big show today. Clay Travis is on later this hour. We will talk with Fox Executive Vice President Ed Hartman in about 20 minutes. John McClain is on the show as well. He'll kick off hour number two. And Andrew Perloff, formerly of the Dan Patrick Show, you know him as McLovin. He's on the show today uh, in hour number two, plus many more guests to come. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Good afternoon. All shows are big, but they're even bigger when you're at the Super Bowl in L.A. The buzz is growing in this uh, cavernous room. More people are showing up, walking around. Um, and we look forward to talking to many of those, uh, those high-profile people. Um, the, the, the profile has grown. Yesterday, it, people hadn't gotten to L.A. It's the build. It's the build of the game. It's a slow uh, build. People are starting to roll in from Vegas in the Pro Bowl. And uh, some other players uh, will arrive later this week. Our coverage uh, across OutKick.com and across the OutKick network. uh, And everyone, uh, if you're watching, if you're tuned in on the radio network, we appreciate you there. You can hit us on Twitter at OutKick360. It's not really Radio Row until you see some goofy radio host from one of the home markets in a home jersey. And we've got a guy in a Bengals jersey, so uh, well, we, we have reached a, a certain yeah, level. Don't exclude your part of the country also. We've got a guy in an Eagles jersey also well, that's walking just around. Dumb. In, uh, I mean, the Eagles aren't in row. the game. so it, it's, I mean, it's even dumber. Yeah, it's super silly to wear a jersey of a team that's not in the market. You know a lot of Cincinnati radio stations are going to be here, and obviously a lot of Los Angeles radio stations in their home. They didn't have to shell out a lot of money to come here if you're an L.A. station. For Bengals, uh, for Cincinnati radio stations, you know, it's a once-in-a-lifetime, perhaps, uh, event for a lot of those broadcasters. And one of them is, sees fit to wear a, uh, a Bengals jersey, the orange one, not the black one that they'll be wearing on Sunday. I, I'm, I'm sure their fans love it. The I, fans of that show and fans of the Bengals just love him in a jersey. So I'm that's intrigued why to see as we, as we get uh, some people rolling in here from Cincinnati. They had the send-off yesterday for the Bengals. Um, the, Willie their, Anderson was telling us about it. And then they flew this morning. They're arriving in L.A. It should be around this time. And I, I'm, I'm curious to know how many fans they're bringing to this game. I am, too. I, I think it will be co- quite a lot. Yeah. It's funny. When I looked at that first itinerary and I saw when Cincinnati was getting here, I was wondering why there wasn't a, an arrival for the Rams on there. That's how dumb dumb I am and how, how conditioned I am to, to how the Super Bowl works. May I, may I be negative? For a moment, sure. If is that if that's okay with you guys, um, pardon my negativity. Uh, Cincinnati is arriving historically late for a Super Bowl. Is it because they're so cheap? No, 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 no. It's because of COVID. It's because the league wants it that way. The league would have preferred them to show up on Thursday or Friday, Chad. Yeah, they're really? actually showing up okay. earlier at the behest. I, I just I just of saw Zach that they're Taylor. they're showing up later than any team before, and I immediately thought, 
Oh, it's because they're no. cheap. <laughs> Last year, the 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 um, the visitors the uh, showed up late Thursday or Friday, I think, maybe even Saturday. I think Friday. Visitors would have been the Chiefs. Yeah, COVID, a COVID um, situation. Well, completely they, driven they sent by. out an email, or like right before the the playoffs, probably three or four weeks before the playoffs, letting teams know the protocol. And it just so happens that the Rams are here. They wanted the league. Chad wanted those teams to have regular practice weeks at home, pretty much, and yep. then come. Uh, Zach Taylor wanted them to to do the traditional thing where you you put in your game plan you do virtually everything last week then you come here on a regular week and it's a brush up week pretty much and that's what they've done coming on a tuesday then they have wednesday thursday friday standard here so that we're going to hit some news of the day real quick uh, as we get set to be joined by ed hartman from from fox in the usfl um and it's got it's, it starts with brady and I feel like we're going to have news with him every week to begin a Tuesday because he has the Let's Go podcast with Jim Gray and Tom Brady on Mondays that drop. But it it took a week. It took a week of the retirement before we actually have a quote from Tom Brady that makes it seem like he's not all the way in to retirement. It sounds like never. Yeah, it sounds like, and it's more than just say never say never. you know, this, this to me, you know, whenever we said, well, it feels like Brady could retire based on what he's saying. This feels like he's open to the idea of coming back as soon as he gets the itch, and we know he will. We, Tom Brady will want to play again. That's but, why I, I'm, I'm confused as to why he did it so quickly because I think the itch in a standard NFL player, and he's not a standard NFL player, but I think we've talked about this. Most players feel like they don't want to play anymore in January. But in April, they feel differently. It seems his clock was sped up by the reports. Yes. And by his I, don't, I don't think he was completely ready to announce any decision, and then those reports get out, maybe because of an episode that was seen of Man in the Arena or whatever, but he didn't want to commit to it that early. He did a couple days later, and now it's, it's, it's not just the never say never. It's I don't know how I'll feel in six months. I'm okay with the decision right now, but I'm taking things day to day. Sounds like a non-decision when it's framed like that, right? I, I mean, I, I'm with Hutton on this. If that, if he's already saying that and planting that seed, one week. Do we think that Tom Brady's going to get closer to training camp and an NFL season, feeling good physically and not want to go play quarterback? Wouldn't spend too much money if I'm the Bucks on quarterback. Well, they don't have much money to spend as it is. <laughs> yeah, um, and that, that's option. one of the issues with him and Rodgers. Both of their teams are going to have to make some roster decisions. Um, and, and, look, it, Brady's quote, he says he's retired. But he also says, I'm just going to be as honest as I can be and take things in the moment. And he, he uses the phrase, never say never. Uh, he goes, I, I don't think it's, it's looking to reverse course. I'm definitely not, not looking to do that. But at the same time, I think you have to be realistic that you never know what challenges are, uh, are going to be there in life. Again, I loved playing. I'm looking forward to doing things other than playing. That's as honest as I can be. And he started that answer by saying, I try, not, I, I try to make the best possible decision I can in the moment, which I did last week. And, and he, he later says, I think that's the best way to put it. I'm just going to take things as they come. I'll fill it out six months from now. In the moment. <laughs> He's kind of, I, I, I kind of agree with what you're saying, Chad. He was forced to make the decision in the moment 
by the reports, which is unlike him to kind of let somebody for nobody forces baby into a corner. Um, well, the reports were accurate. Coming, yeah, it's coming. not just that they reported it; it's that they they said he was going to retire, and he retired. Like he but, was thinking but about his this initial well resistance the to out. the reports was, "I'm the I I'm what would the initial things were, uh, you know, I'm on my own timetable, all of that stuff." He was resistant. Then all of a sudden, he came out and and confirmed all that. A stuff. A week ago today. Yeah. I don't know the way that sounds to me brings back all of my doubts. Well, want to play till I'm 45, you know, um, my body will tell me, all, all of that stuff uh, that, that kind of evaporated. The same way I felt when he had that comment about there comes a time when I have to, you know, be there and be a family man and husband and devote more of my time to that. When I read that quote, I thought he's retiring. When I saw this quote, I thought he's not retired. He's coming back. Let's see how I feel in six months. And the other thing that I think a lot of – he wasn't saying this, but a lot of people were saying this, the idea that, uh, you know, the Bucks won't be as good. They won't be as good. But Tom Brady, to me, isn't a guy that says, well, you know, we're not going to have it. He, he went into a lot of seasons with New England with the team that was a lot less than it was the year before. And what does Tom Brady do? Tom Brady – we've talked about this on guys who don't do it. What Tom Brady does is elevates people, you know. And they're not going to have everybody back, but they had everybody back this well, year. It didn't well, work to, out to that an day. extent, though. I, I also don't think he wants to be a part of a rebuild. No, if he feels like he's got a shot, a if he feels like he's got any shot to win a Super Bowl, he's willing to go compete for that Super Bowl. But he's also not going to come back for the spirit of the game no, and just to play. But that's not on a, any team. That's not a particularly scary division, and I think they can put together a roster that will compete. It won't be as good as last year's roster. It's a playoff team. Yes, and if you're in the playoffs, you got a shot. Got a shot. And if you have well, Tom Brady as your quarterback in the playoffs, you definitely have a shot. Why does it have to be Tampa Bay? Well, he's on the contract. Well, but again, like he, if he wants to go play for another team, they'll trade his rights. Yeah, could. No, I agree with that. I, I'm presuming Tampa Bay because he's under contract. Why, Can you if, imagine if, if offseason? If he came back and said, uh, you know, and under this situation, Tampa Bay would be out of playoff consideration or whatever it might be. If he said, I'm coming back, by then they've already made the decision to trade his rights to San Francisco or somewhere out west where, wherever he's been rumored. Tennessee, where he's got a, a good friend who's the coach. That's another Ryan Tannehill money issue uh, deal. But it's a it's a team that uh, you know certainly was in his first group of teams. I'm intrigued by this. San Francisco's got Trey Lance. All these teams is, uh, have done something else in the meantime. You know, th- this has gone back even in the the 2019 season, the the wild card loss where the the Titans lost in Foxborough. He was getting th- there was discussion then about Giselle wanting him to retire, and the same thing has happened every off season throughout this entire process. And it was happening even before the 2019 season. Point being, this is all about the family, right? This, th- he made this decision, and I, I've, I've joked, but it's also true. I'll, I'll believe he's not retired whenever she says it. Well, you know, and, he, and that's, I think that's why he did what he did. Here's now. one of the things, too, that weighs into your idea of a different team. One of the things he did seemingly for her and the family as he got older, was gave up off-seasons with the team, right? He stopped showing up for OTAs and all of that and took spring and summer to be with his family, and he did his own thing, which obviously worked out just fine. Well, it's harder to do your own thing if you're with a new team. You need to be there. In Tampa Bay the first year, what was he doing? He was arranging versus the COVID protocols, get-togethers at some private school and everything. He went and rented Derek Jeter's house. If he changes teams now, if he changes teams now, he's going to need to do spring football if he stays with Tampa Bay, 
he probably doesn't need to do as much. Let's just take a second and admire the possibility of an offseason where Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and Tom Brady are all publicly asking for a trade. And every team out there that feels like they are a, a star quarterback away from a Super Bowl, are looking the Tennessee ways. Titans included, who should absolutely be talking to Green Bay or Seattle if those guys ask, ask for a trade. Can you imagine the speculation in every NFL market that's in that situation to possibly trade for one of those three guys? New Orleans, Pittsburgh. In, Pittsburgh's in a, not with a do league it, that, that dominates the entire year calendar year already, yep. that's even more domination. Now has baseball-like hot stove. It would be like amazing. The extreme. Uh, baseball has been left in the – I mean, baseball no, I hot stove has nothing but, on free agency but in the NFL. In its prime, baseball yeah. hot stove it would be was incredible. a season into itself that the NFL now has uh, – if it has those quarterbacks on it, it would be like the best baseball hot stove in history. Clay Travis will join us in 30 minutes when we come back. Executive Vice President for Fox uh, and for the USFL. Ed Hartman is about to join us. As we broadcast in L.A., we'll discuss the, the league that starts up this coming spring in Birmingham. Eight teams and all the info you need to know about and the business behind it. Why now? Why does it make sense? And we'll get Ed's take on the success of the league and how we should judge it this coming spring. That's all straight ahead on OutKick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. From Los Angeles, OutKick 360 rolls on. We're live on Radio Row at Super Bowl 56. The crew is all here. Everyone behind the scenes with OutKick and Fox making it happen for us. Clay Travis joins us coming up in about 25 minutes from now. Looking forward to that chat, plus John McClain and much more. Right now, we say hello to Ed Hartman. He is the executive vice president of the USFL and uh, VP for Fox. And uh, he's joining us uh, across uh, the city here, here in Los Angeles. Ed, uh, great to have you on the show for the first time. Hope things are well. Great to uh, be on. Thanks for having me. And I think last time I saw you all was uh, in Knoxville for the Bowling Green game a few months ago, which was a lot of fun. So good to be uh, back in touch. Absolutely. Uh, I, let's, let's start with USFL. Um, you are the executive vice president of the league, and everything gets going in just a couple of months, April 16th, that weekend. Um, are things moving way too fast right now as you look at the calendar and think about everything that needs to be done for the league as we get set to kick off the, the USFL? Listen, we're excited. There's a lot of work going on behind the scenes, and there has been for many months. Um, we've made a number of exciting announcements over the last uh, last few months. There's, you can rest assured many more to come in the in the coming weeks and months uh, uh, through to kickoff. But look, it's a, a lot of work starting a new uh, a new football league. But um, we're very confident with uh, what we're building, and very excited about the kickoff on April 16th. We saw uh, ill-timed attempts by the Alliance and the XFL uh, resurrection. Pandemic obviously had a lot to, to, to say about what went on there. How much did you guys look at, at what they did, what they didn't do? What were the lessons learned from, from their attempts? Yeah, it's a great question, uh, Paul. There's a number of 
learnings that we're leaning on as we build out this league, um, you know, based on the past experience of those leagues you mentioned. Um, I think, firstly, it's a it's a misconception that the XFL was a, a failure last time around. You know, the ratings of the XFL in the three weeks that um, uh, was around for before COVID was actually exceptional. There was outrating the NBA for those three weeks. And so based on that and based on other research we've done, we're very, very confident that there is a strong demand for additional football in the spring. Um, I think the lessons that we've learned uh, from previous leagues is that, you know, you need to keep your costs in check. And to that end, we are utilising a hub model for the first uh, one to three years in Birmingham, Birmingham Alabama. Uh, and that enables us to keep, you know, costs in check and, and that side of things under control. Um, we have, you know, we think the best uh, broadcast partners of any startup league in history in Fox and NBC. We have the best um, broadcast exposure, uh, Freddie Web broadcast exposure of any league period in the spring, um, with over half the games being on a Freddie Web broadcast television and the other half being on uh, fully distributed cable. Um, and we have, you know, what we think is the, the best promotion of the league via both Fox and NBC. So, um, you know, keeping the costs in check, using the hub model, um, having the, the broad support of Fox behind us uh, and the media exposure that we have, we think it's a recipe for success. Well, Annette, I'm, I'm loving the promos of uh, need more football, you know, question mark uh, that you guys had. The one with the clash with the NASCAR event uh, that aired there. I, I love seeing that. And it's such a simple premise of football is king in the United States. And I don't know if we could ever have enough. Was that the basis for this idea about reviving the USFL of, hey, instead of just saying the NFL has all of it, Let's explore a market outside of the NFL season because people want football ultimately. That's absolutely right. I mean, as I said, from previous leagues, we've seen that this uh, extra football will definitely rate on television in the, um, in the springtime. Um, there's a massive amount of talent out there in, in this country that wants to play professional football. It's good enough to play professional football that might not necessarily make the NFL for any number of reasons. And so those two things combined lead us to believe that this is a product that's really going to resonate. Ed, how will betting, sports betting, fit in with this league as we kick things off in a couple months? It's a great question, and it's another kind of key part of our of our thesis for building this out. Um, you know, if you look at the initial teams that we've uh, that we've picked um, out of all the USFL teams that we um, IP that we uh, that we um, own, it's no fluke that over half of those teams, are, you know, in legal uh, or have names that are that are based in legal betting states. Um, you know, you've seen. Um, so far as betting's rolled out in the United States, that something like 60 or 70% of all user acquisition happens during football season. And so we think by extending that you know, football uh, um, uh, window, um, you'll get significant interest from, from bettors. And, and it's fair to say that we've had a lot of inbound from um, all the leading betting companies wanting to be involved in different ways uh, with the league, either by making markets or, or by being aligned in some other ways. So um, as I said, it's very clear that Americans love betting on, on football, and so providing an extra 10 or 12 weeks of football to bet on, we think, again, is a winning strategy. Ed Hartman, our guest, he's the executive vice president for the USFL and a VP for Fox as well, and the USFL kicks off in April on Fox and NBC. Ed, whenever the league got going and you're in these meetings trying to brainstorm coaches that will lead, the, uh, lead these teams and everyone's playing in Birmingham, which we'll, we'll hit on in just a moment, who did, you, who did you think up first? Where do you start when trying to get the coaches to join the league and give you that exposure? 
Yeah, so thankfully we've got a, a wonderful team of football experts um, that have been working on that since the start, you know, including Brian Woods and Daryl Johnson. And then obviously, you know, Fox has any number of football luminaries uh, amongst our, our staff and talent. And so that um, that brain trust has been going to work for many months, you know, coming up with, with suitable candidates uh, to fill up the eight spots. And you've obviously seen all eight now announced. Um, uh, you, I, I believe you've got Jeff Fisher on the show um, coming up this week as well, um, who's one of them. And so, look, based on the expertise of that, some of those folks that I mentioned, we picked, we think, eight outstanding coaches, and they're all super excited to be coaching uh, this spring. I'm interested in the controlled environment of, of Birmingham, you know, having all of the games in one spot. I mean, we've seen, you know, chaos uh, with a pandemic and things that can arise with that. But in terms of a startup being that controlled and having all games in one spot, I guess a two-part question. Why Birmingham and what kind of advantages does that give you in season one of USFL? Yeah, um, listen, Birmingham, uh, the city has been absolutely fantastic to work work with. We had an event down there at Protective Stadium a couple of weeks ago to announce Birmingham as a host city. Um, you know, way back mid last year, um, the city reached out when they you know, heard that we were thinking about starting this league to see if they might uh, be able to host us. And, um, and since then, there's been obviously wide ranging discussions about how the deal might look like and ultimately um, the deal that was um, that was inked. But um, look, they've got a brand new uh, stadium there in downtown called Protective Stadium, which is a magnificent new facility. Um, there's you know hotel facilities right across the road where players and league staff will be staying. Um, so a magnificent complex to host us and looks fantastic on television as well. Um, and look, they've been they've been great. And, and obviously that area of the world where which is not far from where you're, you're all are based loves football and there's a very very strong demand for football there. And so. You know, those ingredients make Birmingham, we think, the perfect um, location to host our, uh, our, um, our league. Um, from a, a tactical perspective, we think that having a hub um, to start with, you know, makes things a lot easier. Um, obviously, there's a lot less organisation that goes on with everything being centralised. Um, as you may or may not be aware, you know, Fox owns the league and all the teams. And so having that centralised model... Um, I mentioned earlier, helps keeping keep costs down. It just makes organisation that whole, whole lot easier than being in disparate markets initially. How important to to try to get the, the New Jersey Generals connected to New Jersey while you're in Birmingham to get the, the Pittsburgh Maulers connected to Pittsburgh and so on with your franchises, and how will you attempt to do that? It's a great question, um, Paul, You know, and it's something that we're laser-focused on. I think you know part of the brilliance of, um, of of Eric Shanks and Brian Woods acquiring the the USFL IP um, was that there is incredible uh, nostalgic equity value in the in these marks. You know the amount of folks that have come out of the woodwork on social and elsewhere who went to USFL games 30 years ago and now want to take their kids 30 years later um, has been quite incredible. And you've seen that in the massive social following we've been able to amass in a, a short period of time. And so we think we've got you know, a big tailwind, given that IP has so much latent equity value in it. Um, on top of that, obviously, Fox has um, owned and operated television station and affiliates in, in many, if not all, these markets. And so using those local television stations to help activate um, local fans is, is going to be one weapon we use on top of the IP. Um, but look, it's something we're super focused on. We think um, the combination of those two things and some other tactics will make it possible to build out the 
the local following, despite the fact that teams are playing in, in one market, uh, at least for the first year. You mentioned the, the great TV partnership uh, with, with Fox and NBC. How did the, the simulcast of the opener come together? That's something uh, we were, when we first saw it, we were talking about what a rarity that is. Uh, and you have to go, as far as we can remember, way back in history to find examples of uh, sporting events being shared and aired at the same time by rival networks. Yeah, it's a historic event, and, um, you know, it really goes again to the, the brilliance of, of Eric Shanks, our, our CEO of Fox Sports and the chairman of the USFL, who just thought that, you know, one of the best possible ways to blow up this event as, as best we can is to put it on two networks. And so thanks to the, to the partnership of NBC, um, and, and thanks to Eric's idea, it's happening, and it's, it's going to be an incredible, you know, historic um, event that evening on April 16th. Ed Hartman, our guest, Executive Vice President for the USFL and with Fox. Ed, so uh, let's see. Tickets are very inexpensive, very affordable for the family. If anyone's in the Birmingham area in the southern region of the United States, what, 10 bucks is what I was reading, and there's eight teams I believe you'll be playing games on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday as the season gets rolling. Give us kind of the logistics for fans who want to take in the product in person. Yeah, so our goal is to be, you know, the most family-friendly league um, in the country. And, and to that end, as you mentioned, tickets are very affordable. Tickets are on sale now for our opening game. It's $10 for adults. Uh, every adult can bring three kids under 15 for free. Um, and so I, I can't think of any entertainment that rivals that in terms of affordability. Um, if you go to www.theusfl.com, there's a link to tickets there that you can buy. Um, tickets for the rest of the season will go on sale uh, uh, in the coming weeks. And so for folks that want to come to that opening game, as I said, it's a very, very cheap ticket. We want to make it family-friendly and affordable. And so go on and buy tickets now and come on down on April 16th. And some big rollouts on merch too as well. Absolutely, absolutely. We'll uh, be um, making some you know, big announcements around merch in the coming weeks and expect to see some really fantastic items going on sale again via that website, www.usfl.com. Ed, you wear a lot of hats and you've worn a lot of hats throughout your career. Uh, I'm curious, uh, one of those hats was, was working in mergers and acquisitions at one point. Obviously, we're very interested in this now uh, with Fox <laughs> owning OutKick. Um, we love business strategy type things, big philosophical discussions. In terms of mergers and acquisitions, when a Fox Corp looks into OutKick or TMZ, for instance, when things like this happen, how much thought goes into it? When you're looking at valuation, when you're looking at cultural fit, everything else, I'm just mesmerized by the team of people that, that work on that and how much thought goes into a big purchase like that. Yeah, well, I can speak specifically to OutKick because I uh, helped uh, work on the team that, that made that acquisition. And obviously, it's one we were super excited about at the time and still super excited uh, about now. Um, but look, a lot of work goes into all these deals. Um, by virtue of, of who Fox is, we see a lot of things come across our desks um, and, and pass on, on most. But the ones that, that make the grade, you know, clearly we have to be very excited about for a number of reasons. Um, specific to OutKick, it was a kind of incredible opportunity to invest in a company that was at the intersection of uh, news, sports, pop culture, um, and wagering, which, you know, are all obviously major strategic focuses of Fox. And so it's not often that you get things that come along the desk that that, um, that line up like that, like OutKick did, and then also line up on price. But 
um, it did, and, and obviously we, we went ahead with the deal, and we're incredibly excited to be partnered with uh, with our kick and Clay and, and you all. And so um, it's been a great one, and similar with TMZ, you know, um, it, it ticked a lot of boxes and and uh, was able to line up on uh, financially and on price, and so and so made the grade. But look, as I said, we look at a lot of things, and not everything makes the cut. But those that do, we think are exceptional and need to be exceptional to do so. You know, when I see the the excitement around sports wagering, online sports wagering, and the the amount of things that go into that, I'm always amazed when I look up and see it's still a very small minority of United States that actually have online sports wagering. So the growth must be huge. Uh, what goes into that strategically uh, with with what you what you do with your job at Fox, but with Outkick and everywhere else in terms of the possible growth of sports wagering in this country? Yeah, listen, it's a it's a space that Fox is incredibly um, uh, bullish about, and I think um, unbiasedly, uh, Fox was clearly the the most aggressive U.S. media company to get into wagering when Pasco was repealed um, a few years ago. Um, you know, I think that we really think about the market um, as a national market, and and the place that Fox plays is playing on the national scale, given we're a national brand with national reach, and so. You know, the best barometer we have, we think, for Fox's, you know, right to play in the space and resonances in the space is the success of Fox Bet Super 6, our free-to-play game, which um, has been running for a few years now. And as you would have seen as well, we market heavily across our NFL broadcasts and other sporting broadcasts. There's over 6 million users of of that game now. And um, as I said, we think that is the best pointer towards how dominant Fox will ultimately be in in sports wagering. Um, Obviously, we have... Fox Bet as well, which has been a um, a nice success in the markets that it's that it's live. And um, you know, as I said, we're we're investing heavily in in the content side as well. Um, we're we're promoting our free to play game um, aggressively, and and you know, we're very very bullish about Fox's right to play um, uh, in in wagering as as it reaches the national scale. Ed Hartman, our guest with Fox. Um, so like, when we think TV networks, you think of the big four. Do you think we're headed there in sports wagering as things expand? There there are a lot of smaller wagering sites, but you still have Fox Bets and FanDuel and DraftKings and Penn and BetMGM. Are we headed to an era where there will be the big four or big five and that's it? Listen, scale clearly matters and that's been proven to be the case in other markets. We look at you know the UK and Australia as example as great analogs for how this market might end up. Um, having said that, I think it's far too early to declare the winners. You know, we're, we're barely, in my opinion, midway through the first innings of what is a long, long, long nine-inning game, uh, at least. And um, and so I think declaring the winners now is um, is probably uh, folly. Um, you know, uh, th- there are a number of operators out there in my mind who have pros and cons and who have, um, you know, um, reasons why they, they might succeed or otherwise. But... Look, as I said, it's a long-winded answer, but ultimately, um, you know, what other markets have shown you is that there um, typically is a, a decent handful, say half a dozen of, of winners, and then a longer tail of, of contenders. But I, I do certainly believe that whilst we may ultimately mirror those that, that type of market structure, that it's far too early to be declaring the winners at this point in time. We talked about the simulcast nature of the USFL, and you think of networks oftentimes as competitors, which they are. Uh, I'm curious about how difficult it was to come to an agreement with NBC on this because this is historic, Ed. It's not something that we see all the time, two networks working together, simulcasting, and partnering up 
in, in, in showing off the league. So how difficult was that? Look, NBC are a wonderful partner, and, um, and they've been really bullish about the USFL since we started speaking to them. Um, it's very, very rare for a startup league to have two broadcast networks supporting it to the extent that Fox and NBC is. It's very, very rare for any startup league to have two broadcast networks like um, Fox and NBC pay a rights fee. Um, and so I think that's a pretty clear indication of how bullish both Fox and NBC is about the product and about what we're doing with the USFL. Um, and listen, I think when Eric Shanks came up with the idea, people grabbed it with both hands from both Fox and NBC. So I'm not going to say it was easy, but I think the level of excitement around the league and around the concept was such that when this idea was thrown out there, it was grabbed with both hands. You're, you're into more football now, and you obviously are, are big in the NFL and college football space. Um, it seems more and more like football is distancing itself from, from everything else. How, how conscious is Fox of that constantly while you might have other entities? America's appetite for football seems to be overtaking other, other sports uh, at an alarming rate. Yeah, without question. You know, we often say that Fox is football and, you know, Fox really, the Fox, you know, business was built on the, the NFL um, and football and, and, and now uh, college football as well. So, again, it's no fluke that, that if we were going to start a sport league, it would be football. Um, you know, to your point, Paul, the demand for football in this country is insatiable. And so um, it made total sense that when we thought about starting a league ourselves, that football would be the product that was, uh, was on the field. 66 days from kickoff, Ed. When do you uh, – well, maybe this is one of the big announcements, but when do you hope to have the draft? When will fans be able to see these teams? Yeah, so there's going to be a draft um, later on this month, uh, 22nd of, of, um, of, of February. That's been uh, announced. Um, and so we'll start to see some more, you know, shape around um, the, the players and the teams themselves. Um, you know, it's clear to us there's a lot of demand from – um, spring foot football officiandos for us to make announcements and, and I can you know um, assure you there are many many exciting announcements coming in the in the um, in the weeks ahead um, we're just trying to be measured and, and thought out about how we make those announcements but as I said towards the end of this month you'll start to see some more shape and around you know who's going to be playing and, and who's going to be on the teams and from there we'll you know we'll start uh, running into training camp um, in, in mid to late March and then the season in April. You're certainly an open invite to make one of those announcements with us <laughs> yeah. anytime ah. you like. Come on whenever you want and make those announcements. So we, we, ha- we have a pretty good line of you guys, so uh, it would be a natural choice, I'm sure. I hope, hope you guys can make it over to Birmingham. It's not a very far, far drive from Nashville. We're, we're two and a half hours away from Absolutely. Birmingham and Nashville, so we'll definitely make it down. Excellent. Excellent. Ed, Ed Hartman has been our guest, uh, VP with Fox, and a, a big hand in everything going on with the USFL. Ed, thank you so much, and uh, this will not be the, the final visit for sure as we near the, the season kickoff this spring of the USFL. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, thank Ed. You. Ed Hartman has been our guest. Yes, yeah, 66 days away. Jeff Fisher will be on with us tomorrow uh, live on Radio Row. He's coming back to his home state, or one of them. <laughs> uh, he, gets, he comes to L.A., and he's going to hit Radio Row tomorrow to promote the league. This is the home state for him, an L.A. guy. Uh, and went to USC. So looking forward to talking with him. Looking forward to our guest coming up next. Yeah. Clay Travis joins us next as we broadcast on Radio Row at Super Bowl 56. 
for Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We are live from the L.A. Convention Center. Downtown Los Angeles is where Radio Row is taking place. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Pleased to be joined by our fearless leader, Clay Travis of OutKick, who is uh, joining us from Century City, probably uh, from a palace or a mansion. We'll see when we'll find out later tonight. Clay, hope you're doing well, man. Yeah, I'm on the uh, Fox lot right now. I've got my uh, TV show here in about an hour, uh, Fox Bet Live, you know, the uh, college, uh, college and NFL and every sport gambling show we do. Uh, and then uh, I've got Sean Hannity tonight. I already did my radio show. So a lot of different moving parts. Uh, it's always a busy week for Super Bowl week. Uh, and I guess it's a good sign that every year feels like I get a little bit busier. Clay, California Governor Gavin Newsom decided to lift the mask mandate the day after the Super Bowl, also, I believe, the day after you leave. Do you think this was done just to piss you off? Uh, look, uh, I would love to debate Gavin Newsom. I think I would wipe the floor with him over the stupidity of mask mandates. I mean, I'll give you an example right now. I'm unvaccinated, right? So I get tested uh, pretty regularly. I've already had Omicron. I've already had the alpha version. But in my hotel... I am allowed to go to the bar. I am allowed to stay in the hotel to walk through the lobby, but I'm not allowed to go to the restaurant um, for, uh, to eat in the restaurant. So, I mean, what logical sense does that make? I can be in a crowded bar. I can be in a crowded hotel. I can sleep and stay in the hotel. I can ride the elevators, all of those things, but I'm not allowed to go to the restaurant. I mean, Anybody with a functional brain that's defending COVID uh, regulations in the state of California right now, well, frankly, they don't have a functional brain, and that would include California Governor Gavin Newsom. Clay, with the Auburn situation, uh, one I wanted to ask you about, I can't think of a time where a university has put out multiple statements (laughs) saying that they're just debating on whether or not the coach is going to stay. Makes me think that he's going to be gone, but I don't know that there's a precedent for what Auburn is doing right now with Brian Harson. Well, it ha- not one that has dragged on this long. And it seems quite clear that what they're looking for is cause to allow them to fire him. Uh, and so far, either they don't have it or it's not substantial enough for their legal team to sign off on it. And people out there who are wondering what that might look like, it's the difference between having to pay $18.3 million to him in order to leave, which would be an amazing payout. I mean, he'd get over $20 million for coaching in Auburn for one year. And I'm sure he doesn't want to get fired, but there's a lot of people out there who would say, hey, I'd work anywhere for one year if it got me $20 million, even if I got fired at the end of it. Uh, And what's wild about this with Roe is I was down at the Iron Bowl and Auburn was in great shape to beat Alabama and they would have knocked Alabama out of being able to be in the college football playoff, presumably. Although who knows, maybe they still would have gotten in with two losses if they had whipped Georgia like they did. Instead... Right? Instead, you end up in this wild scenario where in the space of a few months, everybody is ready for Brian Harson to be gone. And 
even a guy like Derek Mason, former Vanderbilt head football coach who was the defensive coordinator down on the Plains at Auburn last year, has decided to take several hundred thousand dollars less to go be the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma State, among many other coordinators. I think he's been through five, lots of players transferring. All is not well down in Auburn. The question is, can they find a reason to fire Harson or not? Uh, and the longer this drags on, the worse it looks for him and, frankly, for Auburn University as well. Oh, it's going to pay off uh, big for other coaches that can use Auburn for a February-slash-March pay increase, the same way Bruce Pearl used yeah, Louisville. Yeah, that's crazy, too. Yeah, and, and I don't know who Auburn turns to, Clay. Do you have anyone in mind other than just elevating someone on staff at this point? Well, I haven't read the, the, the new contracts that Lane Kiffin and Hugh Free signed, so I don't know <laughs> what buyout they would be owed. But, uh, but obviously, I think you would have to put them on the list. Kevin Steele, who now he was the defensive coordinator of Maryland for like 12 hours, and now he's defensive coordinator at Miami. Theoretically, Kevin Steele could be in the mix because remember there was a contingent of Auburn alums that wanted to make Kevin Steele their head coach when they ended up deciding to go uh, with Brian Harson and moved on from Gene Chizik. And then I think you have to start to look around at really successful coordinators in conference. To me, a guy that comes to mind, Kendall Bryles, Uh, has been really successful with what he has done at Arkansas as the offensive coordinator under Sam Pittman. Uh, I think Barry Odom, who was previously the coach at Missouri, uh, could also get a look. Um, It's going to be a tough spot for Auburn to be making a move. I don't think, depending on how much they have to spend Harson and what kind of uh, buyout dollars might be on the horizon there, I just don't know how much Auburn's going to spend to have a brand new coach. It's a wild story. Understand it's early, but if you got out your stacks of money right now and made a couple plays pertaining to the Super Bowl, what might they be? I like uh, the Rams uh, to win. Uh, I think they're going to win by double digits. I got the Rams 27-17. to 17. I like the under. To me, ultimately, this game comes down to Matthew Stafford. If you think that Matthew Stafford is going to play well, and I do, with Sean McVay having two weeks to prepare for him, Uh, and get ready for the Bengals. I think the Rams are the better team. I think they are more talented on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball. Not taking anything away from Cincinnati, who has won twice as outright underdogs on the road against both the Titans and the Chiefs, and obviously won a game against the Raiders. The Bengals are rolling right now, uh, but ultimately I think this is Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay's Super Bowl to win. I like the idea of Jalen Ramsey matching up against Jamar Chase. He's begging for that matchup. I think he will do well. I'm still not sold on that Cincinnati Bengal defensive offensive line, which we saw get exploited to the tune of nine sacks. Two more sacks, by the way, to 11 that would have been counted if there hadn't been a timeout and a a delay of game penalty uh, when they were playing against the Titans. I think that if you were watching that film, Aaron Donald and, uh, and Floyd and, uh, and Von Miller and everybody else on that defense for uh, this, the, the, the Rams has to be giddy about the opportunity they've got. I like the Rams to win by double digits, give Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford the Super Bowl. Clay, need a really short answer here, but have you been cleared by the restaurant we're going to for dinner tonight? <laughs> Do you know that you're going to be able to join us? It's on the rooftop, it's outdoors, but no, I don't know 100% that I'm going to be able to get in. Now, I do have a negative test in my possession because I had to get a negative test this morning coming onto the Fox lot. So I've got it in my jacket pocket. I could grab it right now and hold it up for everybody. Uh, so I'm hoping that that will be sufficient 
uh, to allow me to get in, but who knows? I might get turned away. Well, uh, it's going to uh, crush my dreams of watching a sunset with you, Clay, so please please get yeah. there on time. But we'll need an extra entree for Mine you too. if we have to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Clay, good to see you, man. No and, doubt. Uh, we'll see you tonight and catch up later this week on the show. Hopefully you'll see me tonight. Who knows? I might not be allowed in. Well, we'll come over after. See you guys. <laughs> see you. Clay Travis. Thanks. Join you at the mansion yeah, afterward. Either way. Absolutely. We'll get, the, we'll get Clay's car and have the driver drop us off at Clay's place. Well, one time he was in L.A., he hung out with Mark Paul Gossler. So I've been pushing for Zach Morris as a guest in the show for a while. Maybe we'll go to his house. Who knows? We, we push, we push, we push. We make no progress. Yeah, we, we're we're going we're gonna to make it happen. One Tonight's the other. night. We're going to show up at his house. <laughs> I'm kidding. I wouldn't do that. Tonight's the night. Uh, wink, wink. We've got John McClain coming up uh, to begin hour number two. Andrew Perloff, uh, you may know him as McLovin from the Dan Patrick Show. He's now joined uh, a morning show with CBS Radio. He's going to stop by in hour number two as well uh, for a, always a fun chat. He's been a long-time show for yeah, him. We, we made a professional transition, and he has as well, so we can have a conversation about that. And we'll preview uh, a bit of, of Super Bowl 56 and get back to some of the headlines that includes Brady and Kyler Murray. All of a sudden, Kyler Murray has removed any reference this to the odd. Arizona Should Cardinals. Should we put him on the market? This is odd. Might as well. If you're looking for a trade partner and you want a contract that's affordable and one that expires at the end of next season, Kyler Murray's your guy. What could the Cardinals get in, in exchange for, for Murray if, in fact, they want to part ways? Not saying they do, but it's a story to watch. John McClain hits all the NFL headlines with us next on Outkick 360.